Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. We're smack dab in the middle of a message series looking at friendships, authentic friendships particularly. Those, those are the kind we want. And in this series, we're looking at uh, different kinds of relationships. Started out looking at marriage or romantic re- relationships or friendships. Last week, guy friendships. Uh, today, ladies' friendships. We're going to talk about uh, how women approach friendships and how we can uh, follow some guidance that God's given us on, on our relationships. Men and women are wired differently. It, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out. Except that uh, there is some brain research that's come out in a little over 20 years or so, starting at that point. Uh, some research done by Anwar and David Jessel from Canada. It's groundbreaking research done a while back that shows that the differences between men and women are hardwired in. It's not a result. We, we used to think, or psychologists used to think, and others used to think that it was a part of our environment. The differences between men, men and women were conditioned. But they found there are actual differences in our brains. And uh, you may have known that intuitively. <laughs> and you may have heard this, but they are hardwired in. This is not software that can be rewritten. This is, this is hard, hardwired reality. And these differences show up in the way that we approach life. It affects the way we do relationships and friendships. The scripture tells us that God's intent in making the, these differences and hardwiring these differences into us is so that we'll be complementary opposites. When you get the two together, some, some really good stuff can happen if they're combined as God intends. Last week, we looked at how friendship is part of God's plan for life. And this is, this is true for guys. This is true for, for ladies. We're, we looked at some things about friendship that are true for both of us. So we're just going to review a little bit. Uh, God made you and I, he made people to thrive in the midst of a community of friends. Now, in, in rural society, rural let me enunciate. Rural. <laughs> I should practice saying that before I do it in front of a group of people. But anyway, in in rural society, uh, that happens more naturally. You're, you're born into a small community. You've got this little town that you're a part of. And there's this sense that you're a part of a larger group of people. In a city, that, that's much harder to find. Because people tend to drive home, they hit the garage door opener, they pull into the garage, they hit it again, and they disappear inside. So there's not that sense in our neighborhood of community. It's just really hard to find in a city. The church provides that. The church is a place where we can have a, a, a group of people that we're connected to, and there's this sense that we're a part of something bigger and it's a good place to develop friendships. Well, here's what we looked at last week. Here's an overview of some of the things we started out with last week. Friends help each other in difficulty. There are times when we really need help. And if you have friends, it's 
a great saying, to have friends who are willing to pitch in just at the time you need it. We also looked at how friends tell each other the truth, even when it hurts. Real friends, authentic friends, they're willing to tell you the truth, even when it hurts. I like what Oscar Wilde said. True friends stab you in the front. That's truth. This is right out of Scripture, sort of another way of looking at it. It's a valuable thing to have a friend who will tell you the truth when you need it. Extremely valuable. It's like driving on the freeway and you're about to pull into the next lane and there's a car in your blind spot, blind spot that you don't see and somebody goes, stop! And at first you don't appreciate it, but then you realize they may have just saved you a lot of time, money, and life. <laughs> they may have just saved your life. So we need people when we have blind spots or when things are going on. And maybe, maybe it's not such a blind spot. We're just, we've got this pattern that's, that's hurting us. We need somebody who will tell us the truth. Friends are, we looked at last week, emotional anchors. They sort of help us settle and stay, stabilize us. And they also add delight to life. They really add a lot of delight to our lives. I want to look briefly at a famous friendship. We, we looked at this a few weeks ago toward the end of August. Uh, the friendship between Ruth and Naomi, because it applies today to what we're looking at. They lived about 1100 or 1200 B.C. There's actually a book in the Bible named Ruth. There was a famine in Israel. That The book starts out and the subject is, is Naomi at the beginning. Naomi uh, is from Israel. She's a Hebrew woman. And there's a famine in Israel, so she and her husband moved to Moab. And they moved to Moab with their two sons. The sons grow up, and they take Moabite wives, Ruth and Orpah. So they, they take these wives. Uh, as time passes, Naomi's husband dies, and then her sons die. In this society, in this world, there was no place for a widow. This, this leaves her in a very dismal situation. And she urges her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, she urges them to go back to their homeland where they could be taken care of. There's much better chance of finding a guy in their homeland than in them sticking with her because she's going to return to Bethlehem. She's from Bethlehem in Israel. And she's going to return there. But she keeps urging them to go back home. And this is a tremendous act of consideration, real love, because here she is. She's, she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's an older woman. Her strength is declining. She's not quite sure how, how she's going to take care of herself. And she keeps urging Ruth and uh, Orpah to go back. Orpah, after the first or second urging, goes back home. But Ruth continues toward Bethlehem with Naomi. And in Ruth 1... 14 through 19, I'd like, I'd like to read it, and it's on the screens. This is Ruth's response after the third time Naomi keeps urging her to go back home. Again, they cried openly. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth embraced her and held on. 
Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. But Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried, so help me God. Not even death is going to come between us. When Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in. And so the two of them traveled together to Bethlehem. This is is a great story, and I'd encourage you to read it. It's about six pages long, I think 88 verses or something like that. It's not very long. It's in the Old Testament. I'd encourage you to read it. It's a tremendous story as you see the way that Naomi and Ruth related. She, Naomi was widowed. She was an older woman. Her strength was declining. She was facing an uncertain and impoverished future. She was going to live at the poverty line or below for sure in the way things were set up. And still she, out, she, re, she urges Ruth and Orpah to go back and take care of themselves. Find an easier life in your hometown. It'll go much better. Ruth, the younger woman, daughter-in-law, uh, strong, determined, very hard worker, she loves her mother-in-law as a dear friend, and she refuses the easier way out of loyalty to her. This is a story of commitment, courage, strength, hard work, and with God's hand of blessing, it turns out there's romance for Ruth in Israel, and Naomi gets to help scheme it. She, older women love this. She gets to, she gets to help put it together. And uh, it was a good thing. Ruth's marriage, she marries a, she married, she marries, she marries a good and wealthy man. That brings God's blessing to Naomi as well. And then a grandson is born to Naomi, who becomes the forefather of King David and of Christ himself. So Ruth actually shows up in the genealogy of Christ. It's a a great story. I'd encourage you to read it. This story is an example that women do friendships in a woman's way. If these were guys, we would have never had that beautiful statement. Do not urge me to leave you or entreat me to do that. They would have said two or three words, a couple of nods, and the deal would have been done. All right, let's go. Yeah, we're going back to Bethlehem. It wouldn't have happened. But, but in, in this friendship between the women, there, there's, this is a beautiful thing. This is really good stuff. Anne Morrow Lindbergh, the wife of Char- Charles Lindbergh, commented on the differences between men's friendships and women's. Men kick friendship around like a football, and it doesn't seem to crack. Women treat it like glass, and it goes to pieces. That, that's exactly, I think there's a lot of truth in this statement. So today we're going to look at the beauty of women's friendships and why they can go to pieces. What are some things that God has clued us into that cause the, the things to break? Guys' friendships, this is an understatement, are typically less intense than, than the ladies. Women tend to look for nurturing, emotionally fulfilling relationships or friendships. 
Guys, we said this last week, build their friendships around activities. Uh, church, work, sports, whatever it is. They, their, friends, their friendships tend to be more segmented. They have guys, friends at church, friends on the basketball team or whatever they play on. They have friends at work. And they don't mix. They're, they tend to be more segmented. Ladies' friendships grow through personal sharing about themselves, their emotions, and their relationships. Friendships between women are less likely to be segmented. Their friends are more likely to know each other. For women, friendship is often seen as the willingness to share important feelings, thoughts, and experiences with one another. They're self-revealing, accepting, intimate, Intimate meaning a deep, a deep knowledge of the person's personal state, heart, thoughts, and or feelings. They involve closeness, emotional attachment, support. They blossom. A woman's friendship with other women, it, it tends to blossom when they feel like their friend understands them. Uh, when they realize that the other person really understands the experiences that they've had, especially if they have similar ones or the same ones. The same ones are similar for, uh, uh, experiences in the past. Here, a lady, I read an article by a gal who, she wrote an article on friendship among women in a Christian magazine, and she had moved from the Midwest to the West to a larger city, from a smaller area in the Midwest to a larger city, and she was lonely, and she talks about connecting with a friend that she made, Amber. This is what she says. Amber and I were bound together by a string of coincidences, large and small. We had both attended two colleges, each transferring after one year. When I introduced her to my cockatiel, Elijah, and she said, when I was a kid, I had a a cockatiel named Elijah as well. We were friends <laughs> when that happened. There you go. That's what it takes. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Friendships are a real blessing to guys, but they are a major factor in the life of a woman. Major. And we're going to look at this. I want to take a quick look at f- how friends help women to live. <clears throat> and this next section, I... I could have charts and we could look at some research that was done, but I'm just going to walk through it quickly and and share about some of the research that has shown the importance of friendships among women. Friendships help women live calmer lives. Tending, befriending equals calm. I'll explain that. There was a landmark study done at UCLA that shows stress in women leads to bonding. Now, this is interesting. In men, stress leads to fight or flight. But the doctors, there are a couple of lady doctors in the research lab who noticed that men and women did very different things under stress. When things got stressful in the lab, men would go hide in their caves and work out the problems. Women would get together and clean the lab. And so all of the stress to this point, to the point of this study, all of the research on stress had been done on men. And so 
we didn't understand the differences in the response, they began to wonder if women respond to stress differently than men. Here's what they found. There's a hormone, oxytocin, that's released when a woman gets under stress. It's a stress response of a lady. This, this oxytocin is released. It buffers the fight-or-flight response. And it encourages her to tend children and gather with other women. So they came up with the term, term tending or befriending. That's where that comes from. <clears throat> when she actually engages in this tending or befriending, more oxytocin is released, which further counters stress and produces a calming effect. This, this calming effect does not occur in men because, as Dr. Klein, the lady who did the research, testosterone in men, which increases under stress, uh, reduces the effect of this oxytocin. So men don't go through this. Estrogen tends to enhance it. So it's fascinating. You see, the differences God wired into us, they're hardwired in. This is chemical stuff that's going on. As a layman, I say that's chemical stuff that's happening in us as we, as we deal with stress. So friendship actually helps women live calmer lives. Tending, befriending, that equals calm. More oxytocin. It, it helps women live better lives emotionally, bringing validation and happiness. Women seek each other for emotional support because of this, this uh, chemical that kicks in, this hormone. They seek each other for emotional support and identity, and maybe not just because of that, because it's a good thing. They communicate and find a gratifying, gratifying exchange of ideas and feelings in the context of friendship. These exchanges allow women to gain self-esteem and validation, to boost their self-worth, to know that their feelings and experiences aren't strange, but they're normal. We all need to know that at times. They're healthy. And to gain an increased sense of fulfillment and happiness. Friendships actually help women live better lives physically. There are lower risk factors health-wise. It lowers friendship, lowers heart rate, blood pressure, cholesterol, stress, and the tendency to overeat. This is sort of like a commercial for, for friendship, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's really good stuff. It, it, it heightens the immune system. In aging, the more friends women had, the less likely they were to develop physical impairments as they aged. More, more likely they were to be leading a joyful life. Not having close friends or confidants uh, was as detrimental to their health as smoking or carrying extra weight. Even at the death of a spouse, spouse, which is the biggest stressor of all, women who had close friends and confidants were more likely to survive the experience without any new physical impairments or permanent loss of vitality. Those without friends were not that fortunate. Friendships help women live. They help them live uh, better lives physically and longer lives. With no friends, uh, women increase their risk of death over a six-month period. And those who had the most friends cut their risk of death by more than 60% over a nine-year period. Women with breast cancer 
when when women with that disease had no close friends, they were four times more likely to die as a result of the disease than those with ten or more friends. Friends add a lot to life. It's, it's very easy to get busy in whatever you're doing. And when the kids come along and activities crank up and more and more responsibility is handed to you, it is so easy to let friendship go. But this is crucial. This is a core part of life. Guys, if you're married, you need to give your, your wife's time to develop friendships. Give, give them the time and the space. Take care of the kids or whatever whatever it takes to allow them to build friendships. They're, they're crucial for them. Here's some guidance for forming friendships. First two things we're going to look at are the same as last week. First two and the last one. Screen and select. Your friends shape who you are. Some friends are going in a direction that will bring you harm. So you want to pay attention to that. You want to, you want to build friends, friendships around people that are going to shape you better than not. Second, trust and verify. Sometimes you trust a friend and you open up to them and you share a confidence and you don't realize you're speaking into a microphone that's going out to the whole community and that hurts. That really hurts. So you need to trust and open up over time. Trust and verify. Trust a little and then trust some more. Third, let God pick your friends. This, this is an important thing because there's a tendency sometimes to think, I just have to be friends with that person. I just have to be. I need it. <laughs> be kind to them. If that's the case, if you really want to connect in friendship with someone, be kind to them. But let God help you and let God pick. Take it before him. Ask God to pick your friends and respond to his leading. Fourth, be flexible, not demanding. When we get demanding, people sort of back off. They, they, they pull back. Proverbs 21.19 It is better to live in the desert than with a nagging, irritable wife. Pretty straightforward. It's from the complete Jewish Bible. Very straightforward. Um, two, two friendship killers. Expectations. I just feel like they should, you fill in the blank, do what I want them to do. If you have expectations for others in relationships, in a friendship it's very easy to nag a little or get upset to try to twist their arm into doing what you want them to do. This is the quickest way to kill a friendship, especially a new friendship, to expect or demand too much. People tend to retreat when they get asked to do things they don't want to do or give things they aren't ready to give or maybe can't deliver. This is the beauty of Naomi and Ruth's friendship. Naomi keeps urging Ruth to go home where it would be easy on her. And she, she really doesn't know what she's going to do herself. 
She refuses to be demanding and manipulative, even when she doesn't know how she would live without her. She really doesn't know how she's going to take care of things without her. Ruth chose to stay and help, excuse me, and help freely because there were no strings attached. There were no chains on the relationship. And the relationship grew without strain or drain. That's what happens. Friendship and any important relationship is a ground for really very practical faith. This is faith lived out in your everyday life. God, I don't know what I'm going to do if my friends don't kick in and help. I don't, I don't really know what I'm going to do if they don't do what I want them to do. God, would you take care of me? I'm going to, I'm going to let, I'm going to cut the strings. I'm not going to have strings. I'm not going to expect. I'm not going to demand. But I'm going to trust God to meet my needs however he sees fit. That is real faith. That's what's required in friendships. Any, any important relationship requires this. If you want to have a joyful relationship that keeps growing and thriving, you have to let your expectations go. Second friendship killer is preconceptions. A friendship ought to go this way. That's, that's a preconception. You've got a picture in your mind or you've run the scenario of how the friendship's going to develop and how it's going to go, and then it doesn't. Again, if you nag a little and try to twist things to go the way that you think they should go, people pull back. Let the friendship unfold on its own terms. Aristotle said, wishing to be friends is quick work. But friendship is a slow, ripening fruit. Preconceived ideas about how things should or must be spoil relationships. So, if it doesn't grow, okay. Let God pick for you. Faith again. Let let God put the friendships together the way he will. Fifth thing, enjoy your friends. Don't try to fix or compete. Romans 15.7 Christ accepted you, so you should accept each other. Let your friends be themselves. Don't, don't try to fix them. Genuinely enjoy the other person's gifts. So easy when things are going well for the other person or when they're talented or gifted to begin to envy their life. I want their life. It would be great. And that, that drives a wedge between us. Don't feel threatened or envious. 2 Corinthians 10:12 In measuring themselves against each other and comparing themselves with each other they are simply stupid. Pretty well put. God's put different gifts in his children. It's important to find yours and to appreciate the gifts of the people around. 6 Be open and honest. 1 John 1:7 We should live in the light where God is. If we live in the light, we have fellowship with each other. As you develop a friendship or in a friendship, share your background. Whenever I begin to understand what's gone on in a person's history in my friendships, really increases appreciation and 
I tend to cut them more slack when I begin to find out what's gone on, what's going on in their lives. So share your own background, share your burdens, share your battles, open up appropriately over time and and get to know theirs, your friends. Don't jump to simple conclusions about their life and struggles. Don't do it. Don't jump to those conclusions or how you might fix them. The lady who wrote the article on friendship among women, she said, when I let the armchair advisor in me recede, the compassion begins to grow. So do that. Put away the armchair advisor. The more deeply we know uh, another person's secret hopes and anguishes, the more we can identify with their struggles and the less inclined we are to envy them, the more eager we are to see them succeed. All those things build a wall. Envy and uh, just that, that comparison with others. Finally, if you want friends, associate what it takes, especially in the city. We have to take initiative to connect with people around. Um, Proverbs 18.1, he who keeps himself separate for his private purpose goes against all good sense. You get your own stuff done, but you miss the benefits of friendship. So find a way to connect. Here at CIV, we've got some different ways. Vantage Point's a good one. Uh, just getting involved, coming to things that, w- that are going on and connecting in, in friendships. You have to associate to have friends. There's some next steps that you may want to take today. I've given you three here. There's in your, in your program, there is a connection card that you may want to pull out and fill out this morning. Um, if you're a guest... Just fill out as much of that card that you feel comfortable filling out. We're really glad you're here, and we'd, we'd like to be able to stay in touch with you. But just fill out as much of that card as you're comfortable filling out. If you're a regular attender, your name and email would be great. And there's some opportunities. We're going to have some announcements. There'll be an opportunity to let us know you're wanting to participate in different things. <clears throat> but there are also some next steps on there. They're on your listening guide, and they're on the back of the connection card, and here's some steps that you could take in, in following. As you, as you take steps, to follow, the way, way it works in your relationship with God is you, you hear the truth, and as you respond to it and take steps to follow it, there's more understanding on the other side of taking those steps. That's the way it works. So, we have a very limited, if you don't apply what you hear from Scripture, if you don't apply the truth, you have a more limited understanding of what it means to follow Christ and how life works according to God's wisdom. But if you choose to take steps as you hear the truth, then more understanding unfolds. That's why we have those in here every week. And so a next step could be to memorize First John 1, 7 to remind you, not to go dark. Sometimes we go dark, you know, and, and you know, 1 John 1, 7 says, if we live in the light, uh, then we have fellowship with each other. So many times it's easy to just sort of close off part of ourselves because we know what our friends would say. They'll stab us in the front. 
if they hear about this. Or they, you know, we just sort of hide to handle our own stuff our own way. Memorize 1 John 1, 7 to remind you to, to be appropriately open and honest with people around you. Second step could be uh, thank God for your friends through the years. Think back. Take some time this week to think back about the friendships God has allowed you to have and maybe the friendships you have right now that you can really appreciate and be grateful for. Thank God for those things. And then finally, ask God for friends to share your heart with. If you need friends, ask him to bring friends that you can really share your heart with. And let him pick. I, I, as I was growing up, I was a fairly one-dimensional guy. I was a jock. I was into athletics. And I was only interested in having friends that were into the things I was into. But as I've grown, God has chosen some tremendous friends for me that are very much the opposite. And... I have benefited in an amazing way from that because what happens is they see things I don't see. They have understandings I don't have. And as I share my life with them, I'm actually gaining in my ability to handle life because I see life from more angles than my one, which is if there's a brick wall, run through it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my approach, you know. It's there. It's just bull, you know, go through it. I, I, I need my friends. And it's a tremendous value to have friends that God has chosen who will shape you in ways that wouldn't be if you didn't have them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the truth we find in Scripture, for the help that you give to follow it, and Lord, for the way that you, you change us as we step out to obey you. God, I ask that you would, you would help us, give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts this morning, either the ones I laid out or some others. And I pray, God, that you would, you would build friendships and that you would bring friends together. For those who are praying that prayer this morning, uh, that that you would you would bless. And God, we we pray. I pray for us that you'd pick our friends, and that you'd be be honored and pleased as we live our lives in following you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.